Hello and welcome back to the Text Lab. I was just alerted that this is season nine. Season nine. Welcome back to season nine of the Text Lab. I would like to know if anybody's listened to every episode <laughs> of all nine years. And if you have, we will let you be on the Text Lab with us. <laughs> yes, you can come join us. So if you listen to all nine seasons worth of episodes, please let us know. Yep. Because we want to interview you. You probably know more than we do at this point. That's probably true. So it would be great to have you on. Well, I'm Kyle. Yeah, I'm here with Jake. Kyle. I'm Jake. Yep. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I'm liking the rain so far. I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat some lunch after this. Um, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> are you a New Year's resolution kind of guy? I normally am not, but this year I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to try a no sugar, no wheat diet. For and the so, year? No. Okay. Oh, Lord, no. Uh, I am just doing it for January to see how it kind of helps my immune system because I have Crohn's disease. And so I just get sick, man. And mm. um, I've been reading that sugar has a huge effect on your immune system and all that stuff. And so I'm like a week into it. I started before January, but it's been going really well. Good, dude. Yeah. I definitely want like a cupcake. I don't know why a cupcake sounds so good. I usually hate cupcakes, but. Because our bodies are addicted to sugar. Yeah. Well, good for you. How about you? I'm not a, I, I'm not a big New Year's resolution person in the sense that like I like think of seven things. I, I, but what I do like to do is use the New Year to reflect on what God was doing this last year, and less of like I don't. This maybe is just semantics. Less of like hard resolutions, but I do like to think of are there any like intentions? Yeah. Any anything I just want to be intentional about as the New Year picks up. Oh yeah. Um. So I'm still thinking about some of that stuff. It's a great, almost just natural refresh spot to kind of reset, look yeah. forward and be like, everyone else is kind of doing it. Let's just reset and look back and look forward. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, listener, <laughs> welcome. We are, t- today's a little unique. Uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to do a review of the first 11 chapters of Romans. So we've been working through Romans for a long time. We're going to pause at the beginning of the year and Drew is going to walk us through a recap of those first 11 chapters. After that, we're going to jump into Romans 12 and keep going. So we're also going to do a little bit of a recap today. We're going to walk through the Romans road. Some of you may be familiar with what that is. Others of you might have no idea what we're talking about. I actually always forget which verses are part of the Romans road. Yeah, me too, man. I just know that there's a road and it's through Romans. That's right. Yep. It's often used as an evangelism tool, but we're just going to use it as a tool to help us yeah. track the main ideas, some of the some of the biggest idea threads that Paul has talked about. And so we're going to, normally there's five stops. I actually added a stop. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty revolutionary. Yeah. We added a pit stop. Yep. Kyle the did. road now goes further than it used to go. And it should, as you'll should. see, as you'll yes. see later. As we shall see. So maybe we can just jump in. We'll just go one stop at a time. Stop number one is Romans 3.23. This is kind of summarizing the first big idea that Paul's been laying out in Romans. And you want to read the verse for us? Yeah. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is Romans 3.23. Yeah. So this verse is just, Paul's first big idea in Romans is just, everybody is sinful. Yeah. Everybody. Any thoughts on that? There's, it's just like this partiality thing that, that comes up in my brain. Like, we are all at the same level. Um, but this is like a weird... How would I say it? Um, Leveling that happens to all of humanity here as we read this. And we're just like, oh, yeah, we all have sinned. We all are at the same spot. We all are needy, desperate, independent. We're all there. Um, 
it's just like beautiful and it, and it changes the way you look at people too. Um, especially like yet to believe people, I think, because even though I've accepted Jesus, like there's still no hierarchy there. Yeah. You know? No, that's really good. Yeah. So young and old, rich and poor, mm-hmm. male, female, like everybody Paul is trying to say, he's, he's saying Jew and Gentile. I'm just going to read a little bit of the extended passage there. Cause he's just, you can hear how hard he's trying to drive this home. He says, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. This is where it gets really intense. Their throats are open graves. Oh, yeah. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. He goes on and on and on. I especially have been thinking about the language of snakes scattered through the Bible that's cool. And how it's tied back to the garden where the, the snake is the deceiver who pulls humans towards sin. And he's he's connecting humans like they're aligned with the, the, the serpent often. And we use our mouth to do serpent evil kinds of things. And so Paul's just trying to like take a highlighter to the fact that we're all sinful. Right. Um, I think it's worth pausing just for a second. We, we talk about sin all the time. If you had like an if like a an eight-year-old came up to you, six-year-old, and, and asked you, what is sin? This happens to me all the time. My daughter, oh, man, that's, yeah. who's four, came up to me and asking me, like, Daddy, will we see Jesus when we die? And so we're talking about that, and then she asked, will everybody see Jesus? And I'm trying to, like, explain these man, really intense so quick. concepts about heaven and hell and salvation and faith and all this stuff to a, to a four-year-old, which is good for my brain to try to get clarity on, like, yeah. what are we trying to say? How would you, I don't know, how would you describe what sin is. I feel like I'm not going to do a good job, but I'll take a stab yeah, at it. Yeah, take a stab at okay, it. Okay, okay. If I had to describe to a four-year-old or- Let's go eight, six. Yeah, like that's six or eight-year-old. a little bit better. Yeah. Okay, six-year-old. I'd say sin is doing something that, uh, you can't say glory because they don't know what glory is. Uh, sin is doing something that um, maybe God tells you not to do or that that God wouldn't want you to do or something that doesn't um, show how beautiful God is and how good he is. Choosing to do something that um, God would say is wrong. Yeah. It's kind of how, where I would go. Yeah. That's good, dude. I like that because it's highlighting the, like the wrongness of sin, but it's also highlighting. And I think we forget this. Like there's just this moral piece that, that sin is rebelling against God, but there's, we become like glory thieves to use a word that we couldn't oh, use yeah. with a yeah. kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're stealing something that's rightfully God, God's. Um, okay, so that's the first stop. Paul's just underscoring <clears throat> we're all sinful. I'll read, I'm actually going to read the next two stops Great. together just so we can keep moving. So stop number two is Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then stop three, Romans 6, 23. Four, the wages of sin is death. But the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So these two stops together. The thing that is striking to me, there's that phrase, but God, that we talk about here at VG all the time. But even just the word, the word, but it's, it's, um, it's trying to communicate that like, there, there's a change of direction. Like you thought something was going to go one way, but there's a change in direction and the change in direction is such good news because God has been gracious to us. And as, as I was reading this today, I was just struck by how surprising grace is, or maybe I should say how surprising grace should be. 
like this is this whole story has become the gospel story has become very normal to me. Right. And when I read it and think about it, I'm often not in awe. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, that's what God did. Jesus came, of course, mm-hmm. He came because He's so loving and kind. But in reality, this is this is surprising that God would come for us. There's this beautiful. I'm I'm reading through this book right now. It's freaking beautiful. Jen Pollock Michael is it Michelle Michael? I don't know. Uh, she's this amazing author who mm-hmm. writes like very poetically, but about deep theological things. And and one of her books is Surprised by Paradox, and it's exactly what you're talking about. And I'm nowhere deep enough to give a recap on it. But one of the ideas she has is just the paradox of the fact that like Jesus was born a baby. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't think about that. We don't think about like him crying as he like came out of Mary's womb, yes. like this very physical thing, fully God and fully man. And she says that like the great I am became the great I and, and I was like, cause, Oh, it's just beautiful. And if you have time, you should read it. But this is what it's talking about with that. But is like, it's a paradox yeah. that isn't necessarily, um, like it being a paradox doesn't make it false just because we can't understand it doesn't make it false is her, her point as well. Uh, just reminded me of that. It's, it's great. And it increases awe or it should increase awe in us as we see how like turning it is, as you're saying with, but like how, um, what's the word? How not normal the gospel is. Yes. No it's one would have astounding actually. Yeah. It's but it doesn't always astounding. It doesn't always feel astounding to me. Right. Because we've like heard it so much. It and, becomes, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Things that become so familiar, they kind of just go in one ear and out the other. And the yeah. danger is that it stops like moving us. Right. And yeah. meaning to us what it should mean. Um, there's something inevitable. Like I don't think it's, I don't know that God would expect us to, or that it's realistic that we would every moment of every day live in, um, I don't know, like this fresh amazement of what God has done. I do actually think there's something appropriate about like settling into our new identity as beloved sons and daughters. But, but at the same time, I think most of us, and I know I do, I swing way too far the other way and it just kind of becomes old news. Like mm-hmm. the good news becomes old news and it loses some of its power in our life. And I don't know, I think it's worth pausing in our lives, to th- this is one of the good things that we could reflect on as the new year comes around is how do we become people who live with an appropriate sense of gratitude and mm-hmm. awe when the gospel has been f- become familiar because we've been following Jesus for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever, five years. Um, and, you know, you're describing one way, like sometimes we read a book and somebody's mm-hmm. just talking about things in a fresh way that helps us to recognize what an astounding thing has actually happened. I actually, I, I just had a son six weeks ago and I actually regularly think especially because it was just Christmas I look at my son he's tiny he is completely dependent on us to live and to survive he can't articulate thoughts and to think that God became like that is just it's mind-boggling actually and it's good for my it's good for my soul to like look at my little son and think God, you became like, Asher is my son. You became like Asher. And I don't even, I don't, the paradox, I don't know how to fathom what it means that an infinite God and and that God's mind was confined to this little human baby who really did have to like learn to speak. 
Like Jesus couldn't speak. Right. He wasn't like born as an infant and then like spouting off stuff. Yeah. He really was fully human. I had to learn to speak and learn to walk. It's just wild, mm-hmm. wild. So anyways, stop two and three. I, I think um, it, it's, it's the heart of the good news and the danger that we have to be wary of is that it just, it becomes old news that we're kind of like shrugging our shoulders at. That's a really good word. Yeah. So stop four, you want to read that for us? So he's told us underlining, hey, everybody is sinful, but God, he demonstrates his love for us through Jesus who dies for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wage, wages of sin, it's death, but Jesus took that death for us. And then stop four is Romans 8, 1, and it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is just amazing news. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing news. It, it, I think it takes a long time to grasp it in your heart. And I don't think I'm even like fully there yet. Like no condemnation, no guilt, no shame, nothing yeah. there. Like it's fully, you're fully pure, fully clean in Jesus because of Jesus. Like, yeah. It really is just such good news. I, yeah. but, but to, yeah, to your point, like this is a, a lifelong journey to, we could believe this in a moment, like hear it yeah. and, and say, yes, I agree with that. I believe that. I trust that that's true. But then there's this lifelong journey to like deeply internalize it at the core of our being. And I think for most of us, there's little, there's like residue of shame and guilt that live in little crevices and Mm -hmm. caverns. And we need grace to wash those places to like uproot and erode that stuff. Um, And yeah, that's a, that is a long journey. But, but listener, this is true for you that if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. And you can put your head on the pillow at night and just rest in the joy of that. You're not condemned. Mm. And one day you'll get to live in the new creation with the King, which is amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. So cool. Stop five is Romans ten nine, And it's basically describing how we partake in this good news. And so it says, mm. um, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so again, that's, that's Paul just articulating. He's, he's laid out number one, everybody is sinful. Number two, but God being gracious and loving has come to rescue us. And now number three, the the way you join this and receive this, this good gift is by confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing that he's raised from the dead. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. It's just like, it's such a deep statement and and i think for like evangelism and someone like coming to faith uh, like i remember thinking this stuff uh or like reading something like this like jesus is lord and believe in whatever what i have to do to be saved and looking back at it after you know five years of walking in faith it's like little words are now like highlighted Mm. and there's little theological ideas within this that are deeper than i knew at the time yeah that's good um and so it starts like as this kind of almost simplistic understanding of like I have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus like substituted himself and took on my punishment. It's that simple. And then I confess, like, I want this, your Lord. But then it's like, it you're, it goes deeper. I see you're like highlighting Lord. It's like the, the idea of God being fully man and, and fully God at the same time. And I don't know, there's just so much depth to it. And I don't want to jump too far ahead because I have implications just in my head. But uh, the main thing that sticks out is like it started as simple and now it's just this ever deepening understanding of like cool stuff. Yeah. And just maybe to pause to think about how do we be good Bible readers? 
you really could pause to like unpack a lot of these words. You could think about what does it mean to confess? Yeah. Saying that we need to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. What, is, what does that mean? Um, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? That is something I've wrestled with the last few years. And I, I think it's helpful that it's highlighted here that being a Christian doesn't just mean I cognitively believe that God is real. Right. Galatians says the demons know God's real, but, but they hate him. They mm. reject him. What he's talking about here is something like submission, um, aligning your allegiance with a king, saying like, it's not just saying, Jesus, I think you're real. It's saying you are now Lord, you're king of my life. And so there's this act of following imperfectly. Obviously, that's why we need grace. But being a Christian isn't just praying a magic prayer mm. and then going and doing whatever you want for the rest of your life yeah. and hoping those magic words saved you. It's not. It's also not trying to be good enough um, but there is this idea of allegiance and following yeah. that is at the heart of the faith that saves us. Um, and this is the, you know, Jesus unpacks some of this in the Sermon on the Mount um, and the New Testament authors do that. Our, our works don't save us, but salvation bears fruit. Yeah. And so really good. Jesus is Lord. He's the King. We talk about that here. He's the one who sits on the throne of our heart. Um, so that's where the Romans road normally ends. Takes you from everybody is sinful. Here's, how you, uh, here's what God has done to save you, and here's how you partake in it. But we feel like that's not totally satisfactory. So we've no, we're not added, done. We've added a stop to the Romans Road. I think the Romans Road's been around for quite a few years. So this is a revolutionary moment in theological history. Yep. But we've added Romans 12, <laughs> 1 through 2, which is what we'll start jumping into in a couple weeks, because those first five stops talk about how are you saved? It answers the question. If somebody says, what must I do to be saved? You could walk them through those five steps and say, Hey, look, everybody's sinful. You need to recognize you're sinful. You need to understand that the path to salvation is not Allah or Buddha. It's Jesus. He's the one who took your place and you need to put your faith in him. But then Paul, Paul doesn't stop there. Right. Romans doesn't end there. Right. He keeps going. So Romans 12, he says, therefore, in light of all this stuff, the first 11 chapters, Dude. this good news. Therefore, in light of the fact that you're sinful and Jesus took your place and you can receive this good grace by putting your faith in him. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And the next few chapters are going to keep unpacking what discipleship looks like. And so the sixth stop that we're adding is that um, once we are saved... Salvation is not the end of the journey. It's actually the beginning of the journey. It's the starting line. It's not the end goal we were trying to get to. And, and the journey is now this lifelong process of becoming like Jesus and living as an everyday missionary and worshiping him. Yeah. I think you said it great, dude. I, Drew has this like drawing that he throws up on the, on the whiteboard just of like the words evangelism, discipleship, and sanctification and how discipleship can... Um, play on both evangelism and um, sanctification. Um, it can have a part of the definition of both of those words. And I think just our role, sometimes we think like, oh, I just need to be an evangelist and get people saved, get people to this finish line, and then other people will disciple them. Other people will take them under their wing and, and run it to the end of the race. Um, but really there's like a joy in walking with someone through their salvation and into that sanctification process um, with them and in that discipleship process. I think yeah. there's a joy there as well. And even in our own life, like mm. the goal isn't just get saved. We're good. And then get on. Yeah, exactly. The goal is not just get saved and like, woo, yeah. I did it. That's, there's no way to overstate 
how good it is to experience salvation. Mm. But also, it begins this lifelong journey of becoming a mature, growing believer. Yeah. And so for, for us, like, I, I love what you're saying. As we seek to be people who make disciples, the goal is not just to see your friend get saved. It, Jesus makes it clear in the Great Commission. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And sometimes we just kind of think like evangelism. But he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this line, he says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So there's this ongoing process of learning to obey all the commands of Jesus. So as we try to be everyday missionaries, the goal is not just help my friend get saved, but if that happens, celebrate that and then help them grow to be someone who can obey all the commands of Jesus, maturing and growing. But same with us. Like in my, for you and me this year, as we talk about reflecting on last year and thinking about this year, the goal is to look more like Jesus 365 days from now, to look more like him and to love him more. Um, not just to be like, cool, I got saved. Now I just do what I want. I can chill. Yeah, one thought I have here on Romans 12, 1 to 2 is also the why of like we're presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. It's like in view of God's mercy, there's this overtone of joy throughout there of we we do these things because of the rest of Romans yeah. understanding. Like there's it's fueled yeah. by joy. It's fueled by worship. It's fueled by uh, gratitude. Um, yeah, and and that is the motivation. It's not like, Oh, like God came to serve me. Now I'm going to serve God. Like, sure. There's a place to serve God, but really like he's the one that washes our feet. He is the one that grows people. He's the one that saves people. And so now we're presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, um, being used by him for our joy and his glory and other people's good. Um, but it's not like this tit for tat thing where we're like, now I have to pay him back. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's out of this joy. Yes. Yes, a joy and like a, 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 John Piper uses this language of glad submission that mm-hmm. I like. So there's like this allegiance submission idea, but but there's a joy and a gladness to it because this is the king who leads to life. So I'm just thinking to kind of wrap this up, Paul's logic is, it's kind of like first he's trying to emphasize, he's, he's trying to give us a big view of our sin. Because if you have a little view of sin, then you'll always have a little view of grace. Because if like my sin is not a big deal, then grace isn't much of a big deal. But the first three chapters, he's trying to like hammer home how big of a deal sin is. So that when he starts talking about grace, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Sin was a huge deal, which means grace is a big deal. He shows the bad news. Yes. Yeah. So the good news can really be good. But now in Romans 12, it's like, if you have a little, if your view of sin is little and small, then your view of grace will also be little and small. And then your motivation to live for God will also be small. But if you have a big right-sized view of sin, then you'll have a big right-sized view of grace. And then all of a sudden, like you're saying, there's this joyful motivation to, of course, I want to sacrifice my life for him. Yeah. And it's not even giving anything up. It's like, this is actually the fulfillment of why I want to like, why I'm alive. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, some of the, the, you know, to go back to your paradoxical, but not nonsensical language, Jesus talks about if if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. Yeah. But actually, by giving up your life, you'll you'll really find it. And that's you know that's what you're saying. It's like you you give up everything to follow Jesus, but in reality, what you've given up is nothing, and what you gain is eternity. Um, and that's that's the kind of stuff that yeah we could just 
keep meditating on for many, many years. And we should. Yeah. Any last implication thoughts? I think for me, uh, as I'm reading through some of this stuff, it's I, I think there is an ever present for the rest of my life need to just meditate deeper on uh, the pieces of it. I think yeah. uh, we can look back at it and the gospel isn't new news to me. It's not great news to me. It's old news and I can move past it. And I'm like, oh, I just need to focus on Romans 12 because I've already gotten through Romans 1 through 11 in my life. Um, and so my implication just personally is like, go back, sit in the sin chapters of the first three, sit in the justification chapters, like really meditate on this stuff uh, and also read it as a whole, but then soak in, soak in the, in the scripture because I don't ever, I will never get past this. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. As you're talking, it's making me think that all these ideas are interconnected. So, you know, it's like over time, you know, we have a conversation like this and it's expanding my view of my sin in a, in a good way. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, as my view of sin expands, my, my view of God's grace grows like, wow, he really did do something astounding. And then my desire to live sacrificially grows, but then I go live life and I get distracted by this or that. And my view of sin starts to dwindle. Mm -hmm. And as my view of sin starts to dwindle, my view of grace starts to dwindle. And it's like, well, yeah, of course Jesus died for us. I've been learning that since I was five. And then my, but it's like, we have to fight to keep all these things right sized. But what it, what it takes is regular meditation and rereading. And it's why it matters I, uh, I love Tim Mackey from the Bible Project, and he, he talks about the Bible. We've talked about this in, in this podcast. The, the person who's listened to every episode will he remember knows. this. Um, he <laughs> talks she, about he the she. Bible as yeah. a meditative text, and I love that. So he just says you have to keep rereading things because there's, there's truth that sort of rises to the surface as you sit with it or our understanding grows as you sit with it. So it's not enough to be like, well, read through Romans once, I'm got good. that done, or yeah. – yeah, I, I understood the day I became a Christian. I understood that I was sinful. I'm done with that part. Like that is an ongoing process to revisit those things because our hearts are just set. We're so prone to lose sight, mm. to wander, to stray, to get distracted. Um, yeah, I think I, in a similar way, am just struck by how important it is to fight to, to be somebody who fights to maintain a fresh gratitude for what God has done and how easy it is in my heart to take for granted oh, the yeah. gospel story. I mean, it's true for me. I've been learning it since I could speak. People have been teaching me that Jesus loves me and there's something so beautiful that I've been learning that since I was young. But the danger is that it becomes so familiar that I hardly hear it at all. So to all our listeners, may you, as you begin the new year, have a deeper appreciation for the good news. And yeah, and may it really sound like good news afresh to your ears. Um, and I hope that as we recap on Sunday, you, you get some of that, but also that as we jump into Romans 12, we keep, I like what you're doing, Jake, reminding us of Romans 12. He talks about this whole rest of the book is all about in view of God's mercy. And so I hope that we can all just maintain uh, that perspective, that we're responding to what God has already done for us. Well, listener, thanks for joining us. Whether you're working at the gym, cleaning the house, or whether you're that person who's mowing the lawn. Out we, in the rain. <laughs> out in the rain. We're really grateful that you're joining us, and our hope yeah. is that this podcast is a helpful place for you to dive into the text. And as always, we encourage you to do your own prep, let the Spirit lead you. Yeah, we love you all. We'll catch you next time on The Text Lab.